Hi everybody, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you'd like to know more about us or connect with us, then please do go to our church website and we would love to get to know you some more. Here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages and inspires you. God is good all the time. God is good. And uh, today we are starting a new series saying if God is so good, not only do we celebrate his goodness, but we want to continue to stand in his goodness. And so we're going to be spending a few weeks thinking about the resistance and how we can stand for our good God in the face of our culture and the world that surrounds us. In the early 1930s, the world was heading towards one of the darkest moments that it has and hopefully will ever face. Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party were starting to gain influence, power and control in a series of events that I'm sure many of us will know ultimately led to the Second World War. In Germany, at this current clinical moment in history, the church was under huge pressure to conform to the ways of the Nazi party. And in many ways, it did. For example, a Nazi-supported group took over control of the German evangelical church, and as they did so, they decided that they'd exclude all members of clergy um, that did not conform to the Aryan race, and they even tried to change scripture, removing the Old Testament from the Bible and no longer considering that God's word because it didn't fit with their particular motives. No longer did loyalty to Jesus matter, but rather loyalty to Führer was much more important. In the midst of this dark and tragic moment in human history, though, there was a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, many of whom will probably be familiar with the name. Bonhoeffer had not been brought up in a strong Christian home. He hadn't always been a committed, strong Christian, yet he had come to faith, he'd come to know Jesus, and had come to encounter the beauty and the power of his church. As a result of this, in 1934, Bonhoeffer, amongst others, was a signature to a document called the Barman Declaration, a statement by the church declaring that the church was loyal to Jesus alone and not to Hitler and to the Nazi party. Bonhoeffer and this collective of Christian leaders stood up and resisted the culture around them. Having taken this stand, Bonhoeffer then followed this up, uh, not only signing the statement, but then establishing an underground seminary that was dedicated to helping people to grow in their discipleship with Jesus alone. Ultimately, this seminary then got shut down with about two dozen of its students being arrested by the Gestapo for resisting the culture that was around them. Bonhoeffer knew that an essential part of following Jesus involved not only celebrating God's goodness, but standing for God's goodness and and resisting anything that tried to take our loyalty away from him. He knew that our discipleship and our commitment to Jesus 
Acts needed to be stronger than any cultural shift or anything that could be happening around us in the world. Ultimately, Bonhoeffer knew and lived out the truth that his loyalty to Jesus would never be compromised. No matter how bleak and how challenging the world around him might become, he was called to be a part of the resistance for Jesus. Today in 2021, thankfully, our challenges are nowhere near as grave as they were for Bonhoeffer in, the, in Germany in the 1930s. Thankfully, the Nazi party were eventually defeated and overcome, but today, pressure from our culture and the world around us can be just as strong. The church and followers of Jesus today are becoming increasingly marginalized and questioned in today's culture. No longer do people like Bonhoeffer look at the church and see the wonder of Jesus and the power of his people gathered together in community, but instead they look at us and question, how could that group of people possibly hold such outdated views? How dare the church proclaim that there is one way to, uh, to God and that is through Jesus alone? How could the church say that there is a good way for me to live my life rather than letting me just get on and do what I want to do because it feels good for me? As a result, we can be tempted to change our message and to conform to the culture around us. Now let me just say, we need to be aware of how we communicate with those around us. We need to, uh, when we speak, we need to be aware not only of what we are saying, but also of what other people are hearing. We need to be sensitive to the people around us. But, um, but the message of Jesus must never be overcome. His message of love, of hope, of life, of grace will always stand true. Our devotion and commitment to Jesus alone must never be compromised. For we too have been called to be part of the resistance as we live for Jesus today. Today we are starting this new series on how we can stand as a part of the resistance for Jesus and continue to stand for him in the face of the culture that surrounds us today. And we're going to start with the words of Jesus himself from Matthew 5 verses 11 to 16 and see that if we are to follow Jesus, to be one of his disciples, then we need to be able to resist the resistance as that we will come across as we follow Jesus in our world today. So we're going to start by listening to God's word together uh, as we listen to Matthew chapter 5 verses 11 to 16 and hopefully the words will pop up on the screen as we look at God's word together and if you've got your Bibles on your phone or with you then feel free to look along with me as well. But Matthew 5 verses 11 to 16. Blessed are you, Jesus says, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. 
Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As we come to think about how we can join Dietrich Bonhoeffer and many of us in standing firmly in our commitment to Jesus, let's pray that it will be God who speaks to us as we consider this passage together now. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all those who have gone before us, standing faithfully for you and revealing your hope and your life to your world and ultimately to us gathered here in your name today. Lord, we pray that as we look at this passage together now, you would be speaking to us. You would be moving in our hearts and helping us to know more and more how we can be your disciples, following you and committed to you above any other today, we pray. Amen. Jesus expected us to face resistance. The start of this passage comes from one of Jesus' most iconic of messages, the Beatitudes. But as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he finishes this message and it suddenly gets a little bit uncomfortable. For he says to his disciples, blessed are you when you are persecuted. It's not an exactly a feel-good message to finish an iconic message with. But ultimately, why would Jesus say this if he didn't expect the church to come and face resistance, to face challenges, to face persecution? Jesus called his disciples to follow his example And as we look at Jesus' life throughout the Bible, again, we see the resistance that even Jesus, the Son of God, received. He was accused of socializing with sinners. He was accused of being demonic for the demons obeyed him. He was not welcome in places that he visited. And ultimately, people plotted to kill him and were eventually successful in doing so, sending an innocent man to a cross. Jesus came as the bearer of good news, the ultimate good news for our world. He came to transform the world, to show us and to lead us into a better way of life with God. And yet he faced resistance. Where new paths need to be trodden, Where change needs to occur, we often come across resistance because there's something natural in our world that where there's something different, people push back against that which they are not used to. 
Not only do people push back about, about things that are different, but they also often push back and, get, and we face resistance where we are challenged as well. Jesus was not shy in confronting those who he met, in challenging them uh, in, in their perspective and drawing them closer to God. He regularly called the Pharisees a brood of vipers uh, for the hypocrisy that they showed as religious leaders. He challenged the rich young leader to give up his wealth that he might find riches in heaven instead. He challenged the woman living in adultery to change her lifestyle. Go and sin no more, he said. He even challenged his disciples, speaking to one of his closest disciples, Simon Peter, and saying, get behind me, Satan. As Jesus came into the world, Sometimes the people he met were transformed as they embraced what he said and followed his example. But often Jesus' words were not as well received. And instead of transforming people's lives, it fueled the resistance against him. If we are to follow Jesus today, then we need to be prepared to walk in Jesus' footsteps and face resistance as we follow him today too. As we share the hope and life with Jesus and those around us and invite them to go on a journey with Jesus as their Lord and their Savior for themselves, we will see lives transformed. We will be able to celebrate the wonderful ways that God breaks through. But we will also meet resistance. We will be judged by those around us. We will be debated by those who don't agree with us. We will be rejected by those who are challenged by what they see of Jesus in us. We will face resistance. We often pray for the church in places where it is persecuted where we know all too, or where the church knows all too well what it's like to face resistance, where they can't even gather publicly in work for worship like we are here today. However, what strikes me uh, is uh, about the persecuted church is the prayers that they pray. Whilst we in the West understandably pray for the persecuted church and pray that that persecution might stop and they might be able to worship freely again, the persecuted church often pray a very different prayer. Instead of praying for the uh, solution of their persecution to be taken and for it to be taken away, they instead pray for faithfulness in the midst of the resistance that they are facing. In other words, instead of praying that the resistance would go away as they stand for Jesus, they have recognized that their faith does not boil down to living a nice, comfortable, easy life with Jesus. But instead, their prayer is, we want to remain faithful to you, Jesus, no matter what life throws at us in this world, no matter what circumstances we are facing. The persecuted church has learnt a lesson that we today can easily forget. That like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, they have learnt the joy of faithfulness to God 
No matter how tough times might get, no matter how challenged, uh, what challenges and resistance they might face, the persecuted church have decided to faithfully commit their lives to living for Jesus, no matter the opposition that they face. Such commitment to Jesus inspires and challenges me. When, when the tough times come, when I'm facing resistance from the world around me for my faith in Jesus, will I be as faithful in standing for Jesus as those who are praying in, this other, uh, in other parts of our world? Will I find joy in remaining close to Jesus even in the midst of the persecution and the difficulties? My prayer today is not that resistance would just be taken away, although obviously we pray that. We pray, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is on heaven. But my prayer is that I would be as faithful to Jesus in resistance as the persecuted church. That the joy of Jesus in my life would be greater than any of the challenges that I might face. And that throughout my life, I might continue to always stand firm in my commitment to Jesus above any other because I know that he is good. And no matter what is around me, he always remains good. This morning, I wonder, will you join me in this challenging prayer that Jesus, we don't expect an easy life. We don't want, but, we, but regardless of how difficult our lives are, we want you to be at the center of our lives. No matter what we face, no matter what the world around us thinks. Jesus, this morning, we choose you. May we be faithful to you alone. We need to expect resistance and as we expect resistance, as resistance comes into our lives, it should never, we should never let that resistance define how we live out our lives. Rather, if we are to follow Jesus, we need to resist that resistance and not allow it to define our walk with Jesus. And we do this by ultimately being unashamedly distinctive for him. It's surely no coincidence that having just warned his disciples that for, the per, for the persecution that they would face, Jesus then calls his disciples to be salt and light in the world. If we are to resist the resistance of the culture around us, then we need to be distinctive, we need to be salty, and we need to be bright. We need to be salty, salt brings with it flavor. I'm sure many of us will go home and cook ourselves a Sunday dinner or some alternative uh, later on today. And if you go home and you don't put salt in it, in your dinner, you will notice the difference. Just a little bit of salt can transform the flavor of any meal. When I was at university, I was out at the pub chatting to some friends and I was distracted chatting to some friends. And whilst I was chatting to some friends over here, some friends over here thought, aha, 
I know what we're going to do to keep Matt on his toes. We're going to put salt in his beer. Um, so I was having a chat away, chat, 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 lovely, nice chatting to you. Came back, had a little bit of a sip, and I can tell you there was something different with my pint of beer. I knew there was salt present there. As followers of Jesus, there needs to be something distinctive about us that when we are present, people can tell the difference. There needs to be that saltiness for all that we come into contact with. Our saltiness should lift and transform the lives of those around us. Our saltiness should make an impact that when it is not there, people miss it and can tell the difference that Jesus makes. As Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, salt was used for a range of different tasks. It was used to preserve food. It was used to purify and to season. In other words, salt was used to enhance the life of those who used it. And as Jesus calls us to be salty, we too should be enhancers of life. We shouldn't be the equivalent of salt poured in a drink of what you're choosing um, uh, that isn't particularly pleasant, but we should seek to lift up and enhance those around us that they might know the goodness of God and of Jesus through our lives. Salt works by integrating itself into the environment around it. And if we are to be distinctive and resist the culture of the world around us today, that doesn't mean to say we should just stand back and say, do you know what? I'm not going over there. We're just going to stay in our nice little Christian cuddle, huddle over here instead. But rather salt and, and to be the salt of the earth that Jesus is calling us to be in this passage means we need to integrate ourselves into the places that God has called us. That's why as a church, we don't just worship here on a Sunday, but we serve our community throughout the week. That is what, a key part of our ministry just as much as gathering together on a Sunday is. But that's not just something that we all do together. It's also something we all do individually in the places where God has called us and placed us. So in our neighborhoods, how might you be the salt of Jesus to your neighbors that they might encounter the distinctive difference that your faith makes to life? In your workplace, how might you be salty for Jesus with your colleagues? In your WhatsApp groups, in your Facebook page, wherever it is, you connect with people, how might you be salty and enhance the lives of those around you? We can be salty by demonstrating the radical love of Jesus to those around us, just as Jesus demonstrated his radical love for us. We can pass that on to others. We can be salty by, being, by bringing joy to the lives of those around us, just as Jesus has given us joy as he has brought, come into our lives. We can be a source of hope into our communities, as Jesus has given us a hope to hold on to. We can be an example of grace that reflects the grace that Jesus has shown to us. 
to resist resistance, to live for Jesus in the face of our culture. We need to be distinctively salty. How might you reveal the saltiness of your faith this week? Not only do we need to be salty, but we also need to be bright, shining for Jesus. Um, but uh, Jesus tells us that, you, that you, we are the light of the world. And light guides and illuminates. So being a distinctive follower of Jesus means guiding people into his ways. Where there is darkness, we should be bringing light into the world around us. But it's important to recognize what it is that makes us bright. It's not just I wake up in the morning and decide to say, I'm going to shine today. Look how good I am. We are the light of the world because Jesus lives in us and he is the light of the world living and shining in us. As we follow Jesus and welcome his light into our lives, there is ultimately something uh, different about us. There is no, we are, for we are no longer living and walking just in our own strength, but by the light of Jesus, but as the light of Jesus enters into our lives, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he starts to shine within us and transform the world around us, to resist the resistance, to be distinctive in the culture that surrounds us. We need to embrace the light of Jesus in our lives. We need to open ourselves and invite him and his light into our lives that he might shine within us, that he might then shine out of us. As we welcome the light of Jesus into our lives. We just have one obligation. Again, don't keep it to ourselves. Just as salt integrates into the, into the places where it is put to work, so too is light created to shine outwards, to be a source of height, light that blesses other people. Jesus tells us not to keep the light hidden and keep it to ourselves, but let that light shine out and be a blessing to those around us. To resist the resistance that we will all face as we follow Jesus in our lives. Um, we need to be distinctive. So may we be a church that is salty, that seeks to enhance the lives of those around us. May we be a church that is bright, that shines brightly, uh, so that the light of Jesus that is shining in us may be seen by those around us. But you might be sitting there going, Matt, this talk about resistance, it all sounds a little bit hard. Why should I be distinctive? Why should I go to the hassle of resisting the ways of the world around us? Resistance is hard. It is uncomfortable. It is costly. But there are three reasons why we should resist anyway that I just want to touch on very briefly. Firstly, we can resist because as we commit our life to Jesus above anything else, you will be a blessing to other people. 
Jesus tells us that if we let our light shine, it gives light to everyone in the house. You are blessing other people. So Jesus carries on. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. As, our, as the light of Jesus shines within us, we are a blessing to those around us. So if we want to be a blessing to others, let's stick close to Jesus, that his blessing would flow through us and bless the people that we come into contact with this week and throughout the rest of our lives. Secondly, we can continue to resist all that the world throws at us because the rewards are ahead of us. Jesus tells us, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. When the world becomes challenging, when we face resistance, we cannot resist the culture of the world uh, with a short-term mindset. In Jesus, we have a greater future ahead of us, a future reunited with our God and our creator, a future where all tears and sadness will cease to be. We have a future that will make any resistance that we face in this life fail into comparison with the hope that we have in Jesus. But thirdly, and most importantly, we can resist the resistance of our world because as we do so, we will glorify God. Jesus tells us, as you take a stand, your good deeds glorify your Father in heaven. Just as Dietrich Bonhoeffer realized his life and his commitment to Jesus were far more important than anything else. When we commit to Jesus and stand for him, even in the face of the resistance from the world around us, people will see the good of his love in us, and we will glorify our Father in heaven. Being a part of the resistance for Jesus in our world today means that we need to resist the resistance of our world by being distinctive for Jesus in our faith. We should expect to face challenges that come and we shouldn't shy away from them. In those challenges, Jesus calls us to be distinctive, to not conform to the world around us, but to be salt and light that Jesus might be seen in us. And ultimately, failing to compromise, or failing to compromise, failing and standing in the resistance for Jesus, even when times get tough, enables us to stay true to him, that he might be glorified through us. So may we be a church that takes our stand, that the hope and life of Jesus may shine through us, that God would be glorified as we live our lives for him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the way in which he came into our world and the way in which he modelled how we can live for you and and. and, and embrace life in all its fullness in this world.
Lord, today we recognize that some of us here today may well be facing challenges and pressures of one kind or another. Lord, would you continue to empower and enable them to stand faithfully for you in the midst of the pressures that they are facing? Lord, we pray that as your people, we might be distinctive for you, that we might be salty for you, that we might shine brightly for you. But Lord, more than anything else, we long to give you the glory, to stand faithfully true to the story of who you are and what you are doing in our lives and in the lives of all in our world. And so, Lord God, we give you again our lives. We give you all that we are facing. And we pray, Lord, would you be glorified as we stand firmly for you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.